I'd like to thank Christiana for her scripture reading. Uh, Heidi, your song, appreciated very much. And I was sitting in the Sabbath school. Tom was setting up the flowers. And I was just praising the Lord. I always enjoy when he and his wife brings in the flowers and listen, uh, thank you so much, okay? Thank you. I'd like to begin with a quote that you have heard before. It's more relevant today than it was when it was written. It says, what can be shaken will be shaken, so that what cannot be shaken will remain. Did you get it? Let me repeat it. What can be shaken will be shaken, so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. We are living in the shaking. i like to say a few words about the political events around us, but I'm hesitant because I hope you won't stone me if I say something that you disagree. I'm not asking you to accept. I'm asking you to investigate. Is that correct? Yes. Be a Berean who were more noble than the Thessalonians because they opened the scriptures and checked even Paul. Am I asking for a right thing? Yes, I am. I think there is too much diversion going on. Smoke screens. I consider the war something like this. A diversion. Uh, I don't know if you at all follow the history going on around us. You should, from a theological perspective, not to join the parties, okay? I am not a member of either party. I am not trying to join them. I used to sympathize with the Republicans. Uh, I have great reservations towards the Democrats, but please don't stone me, all right? Uh, did you watch the problem the Republicans had with electing a Speaker of the House? I'm not politicking from here. Uh, this pulpit is for the proclamation of the gospel, not for political campaign. Is that correct? So, But when I use a few political events, I use it to illustrate a theological principle. Are you with me so far? Yeah. 
that's itself how the original speaker was voted out because he voted one way and they said, we are angry with you, out with you. Then the second nominee was, uh, before voting, he resigned because he, he knew there is much opposition. And do you know that Jim Jordan's wife, now he is a nominee, I don't know how long, received threatening calls, nasty letters, even life-threatening if you vote for this man, what not? I mean, election coming to the point when you pull your revolver and if you don't vote according to my will, I shoot you. Brethren, where are we? Where are we headed? Essentially, this is a theological issue, not a political issue. Are you with me? Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, visited Pope Francis. I have to take off my glasses because what I'm saying. I don't know how the Pope dared to stand with this man on the same platform at the same time. Zelensky initiated a rule a legislation that is not quite a law yet to proclaim the Orthodox Church illegal. And the reason given is that uh, the Archbishop of the Orthodox Church in the Ukraine is subject to the Archbishop of Moscow. And he's spying for the Russians. Do you see, when a religion that you don't like is accused of spying for the enemy? Have you ever read something like this, when the seven last plagues will fall, that we must find a reason and the reason are the Seventh-day Adventists who are not listening to new light that we should keep Sunday holy. That's a new revelation. Can you imagine how people will hate you when they suffer physically? I'm scared. I thought I am a courageous man. I'm 88, you know, supposed to be a mature man, but I'm scared. Thank you. You're bringing it to me? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. You go and get another one for me. Okay? <laughs> My apology, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but I can use it too. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken. Now, 
what does it mean? I think it has a spiritual and intellectual and mental connotation. <clears throat> Moving you out of your conviction or commitment. John or change loyalty, you know, shaken out of your conviction or your faith. And it is not limited to one denomination. It's applicable to almost everyone. The Roman Catholic Church herself is going through a shaking. They don't like it. I am not rejoicing because what's going on, because it's devilish, but let me say this. Archbishop, I, I listened to his sermon. Archbishop Vigano. He represents... Okay, Tom, you got it. <laughs> represents Orthodox Roman Catholics. who are up in arms against Pope Francis, who follows a liberal theology. And you know what is their intention? Oh, we will ask him to do what Benedict XVI did. What did Benedict XVI do? What did he do? What did he do? He resigned. You know the story. I hope you follow the history that is going on currently around you because theological issues are involved. Serious theological issues. So they hope that they can make this liberal pope resign and elect a conservative one. Uh, you remember the story of John Huss, the Czech reformer? At that time, there were two popes reigning together simultaneously. And the Hungarian king, Sigismund, was a Hungarian king, a prominent king. Very prominent king. He promised safe conduct to John Huss. You know what the safe conduct You come before the council, we guarantee your freedom. You can come and live in freedom. That promise was never kept. He was burned. But that was a synod, if I remember, lasting for 18 years. <clears throat> the synod of Constance. 18 years. Do you know in opposition of the Reformation. Listen to me carefully. It's history. You should know it. If you just pick up the great controversy and reread it. 
You know, as I'm getting old, I, I very much sympathize with Paul because I feel the same weakness, you know, slow down this and that. Memory, oh, memory lets me down. But you know how I compensate? I reread things. If I forget things, I reread it, write it down. It helps if you write it down. It doesn't always work, but, but it does help. Reread, brethren, reread. But in the great controversy, this Hungarian king, I'm ashamed of him, you know, promised something that he didn't keep. But the point is, the point is, the Roman Catholic Church nailed down all their conservative stands against Reformation. Are you with me so far? Do you know? You remember the last Vatican Synod? A couple of years back. In case you didn't notice, or you overheard, or you just, you just don't care. You know what they said with all the liberalization. They said, all that that previous council against the Reformation made decision stands. We revoke nothing. We revoke nothing. I am saying this in the context that shaking in the Roman Catholic Church towards a point where they try to elect a new conservative pope. You can finish the thought, what it leads to. You don't have to be a rocket scientist, is that correct? Thank you, at least one amen here. <laughs> okay, let's consider the Jews, because the shaking is take, taking place among the Jews, too. I listen. I made a wrong statement. Somebody scolded me because he says, I said I married the computer. Since I don't have a wife, don't have a girlfriend, don't have a cook, don't have anybody, you know, I'm, I'm a loner now, so my only companion is now my computer. But I am very selective. I am not watching every dirt and filth coming through. Uh, you understand, soldier? Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I have some taste left. Either choosing... Let's stop there, okay? I was watching a Jewish program. Orthodox Jews, not Muslims. Not Muslims, Orthodox Jews speaking out. The Zionism we disagree with. The state of Israel does not have a legitimate existence. Uh, I, I could dwell on this very much. At the end, <clears throat> I will put 
five of these little books. Penny. Put these on top of the piano so that we don't forget. The book entitled False Prophecies About Israel, Babylon, and Armageddon, and many other things by Steve Wahlberg. This, I looked at your literature rack out there. I didn't see any. Put a few out, okay? Put a few out. And make sure you read this book. You will need this book. You will need this book. So, the Jews have their in a conflict, shaking. Christians, dispensationalism, uh, I'm attending several Bible classes in the senior home where I am, not because I am unfaithful to my conviction. I am a loyal, committed, dedicated Seventh-day Adventist. That's the way I classify myself. I hope, I hope you will be able to agree with it, but if not, that's all right. I am still claim to be what I am. I am attending about eight or nine classes per week, Three or four, Seventh-day Adventists, five or six, Presbyterian, just to be a witness. Just to be a witness. Don't we study about the Sabbath school lesson, about missions? We have a Friday afternoon Bible class at three o'clock. I attended a dentist, a very nice retired dentist conducts a class. I try to be as kind, as courteous, and polite, not to antagonize them, but how nice can you be to tell you are wrong? Do you understand? You are wrong. Oh. Yesterday, he said, you cannot obey the Ten Commandments. It's just impossible. You just cannot. I said, hold it, hold it, hold it. Is the text in your Bible where the apostle says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Is that in your book? No answer, you know. Brethren, most of the Protestants believe this, that you cannot obey. I listened to Desmond Ford decades ago. He tried to prove it based on the theory of original sin. I hope you understand the concept it comes from Augustine. 
And I don't want to belittle the merits of Augustine. Augustine has been honored through the church history, and he has done much good things. But we cannot build our theology on our own experience. It's very dangerous, very dangerous. Augustine had a problem. He had a concubine and he couldn't break loose. Are you listening? And it influenced his theology. I could name a prominent Seventh-day Adventist theologian who have written many books. I have some of his books. He said, I used to be a last generation theologian, but it didn't work for me, so I changed my position. Um, you remember the Synod of Dorst. Now, I'm testing your memory. You know, I'm comforted when I see that you are just as forgetful as I am. <laughs> Don't hold it against me. I have to get some comfort out of you. <laughs> the Synod of Dorst was called together by staunch Calvinists in the Netherlands. Uh, but the Calvinist church had a problem. If I find my area, I find my area. Good Lord knows. There was a time when I could remember my sermon from A to Z without the manuscripts. I have problems to remember the two paragraphs without this. Now, the Calvinist had a prominent theologian called Arminius. And that's in the great controversy too. Arminius opposed the definition of staunch Calvinist, the abbreviation is TULIP, T-U-L-I-P, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible gaze, and perseverance of the saints. In a nutshell, I am just summarizing in a nutshell. You are saved. Once saved, always saved. You cannot fall out, okay? Armenius says, no, no, definitely not. And thank the Lord, John Wesley accepted Armenius' reasoning. 
And Sister White came from a Methodist background, and to a great degree, she was an Armenian, believed in the opposite. Uh, just historical something that you should remember. You remember the French Revolution, the reign of terror. I mean, that's a historical fact. Nobody can deny it. It's in the books. It's a fact. The reign of terror. The spirit of prophecy tells us just a little bit later England was at the same point to have a revolution like the French. But they didn't. They didn't. And what made the difference? Methodism. Because Methodist preached justification and sanctification. And his preaching actually turned the history of England so that they did not have a French Revolution. Are the consequences to what we believe? Brethren, you better believe it. Big consequences. Big consequences. Hmm. Ooh, it's 1225. Uh, I started late. You know, you, you fellows, you, you delayed me, so. We are told by serious theologians that Daniel 11 is one of the hardest chapters in the Bible. Daniel 11. And really, even Adventist theologians admit that it is very difficult to interpret it correctly. But what is the essence of Daniel 11? The king of the north and the king of the south are fighting. This is before Christ. You follow me? This took place shortly after Alexander the Great died, you remember, and four generals took his place, divided the kingdom, and Ptolemy got Egypt, Seleucid got Syria, and the others got some other countries, but these primarily tried to win over the other. The king of the south fighting against king of the north. Now, in Uriah Smith's time, king of the south was Egypt, unbelief. And king of the north was a Roman Catholic church system. 
Oh, for a while it was Turkey, I know, realize that. But you just studied for yourself. But what's interesting, Sister White tells us that Daniel 11 will have a second fulfillment in the last days. Are you with me so far? Daniel 11 will have a second fulfillment in our days. Now, why is it important for us to understand? Uh, turn with me to Daniel 11. No. What was the scripture reading? Scripture reading was Revelation. This is what happens when you don't write it down, Paul. Let's turn to Revelation and let me read it because it connects. Revelation 16, the seven last plagues, okay? Revelation 16, 16 to 18. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon, verse 7. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out from the temple of heaven and from the throne, saying, It is done. Verse 18. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and there was a great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the face of the earth. So, the shaking is primarily in the realms of conviction, in the realms of thoughts. But there is a physical shaking too. The seven you know, the, this big earthquake. But how does the next chapter begin? The next chapter begins by, and then Michael stood up, the prince for your people. And there came a time of trouble that there was none before this. Do you follow me? So, brethren, after Daniel 11, that is happening now, the close of probation is coming. When everybody's future will be decided, yours and mine and everybody else. Okay. Well, 
let me just say this in closing. The war in the Middle East is a diversion. The real issue is controlling the world. Controlling the world. Economically, politically, and religion-wise. And They are working on a religion that will please everybody. It will be not biblical, but it will work for the majority. And there will be crypto money, whatever else comes, I don't know. The point is, brethren, are we committed to our conviction so that nothing can shake us out? Nothing can shake us up. Let me illustrate it with a story in closing, okay? A well-known story, but there is so much to learn from it. Absalom coveted the throne of his father. Two or three times before he got in conflict with David and they were reconciled. In fact, David sent Joab abroad to bring home his son to reconcile father and son. Isn't the burden of the gospel to reconcile God the Father with us, his children? Brethren, that's the ultimate issue. No, I I step step back a minute. Let, Let me just correct myself here. The ultimate issue is not your salvation and my salvation. That's not the all. That's the secondary issue. The ultimate issue is the honor of God. God had been maligned, falsely accused, wrong motives attached to him, ambition, selfish ambition, and whatever else. You read the great controversy, the first chapter in Patriots and Prophets. Great controversy. So the real issue is universal because we are the theater of the world. They are observing what's happening here. Angels and unfallen beings. And God is displaying his character. The character of love. No selfishness, no selfish ambition, and so on, and so on, and so on. But the secondary issue, of course, is my salvation. I don't want to go to hell. I I look forward to enjoying eternity. But let's come back to the story of David. 
and Absalom. The rebellion increased to the point that David had to escape Jerusalem. You remember the story. I'm just refreshing your memory. But when David heard that Achitophel joined the rebellion, he prayed, Lord, don't let his counsel prevail. <coughs> Why? Akitophel was probably one of the wisest men in Israel. Uh, he were, his advice, his recommendation were considered as the oracles of God. But the Bible never classified him as a prophet of God or oracle of God. Nevertheless, he was a very smart man, great discernment. He was a counselor of David too. But his prayer was, Lord, don't let his advice stand. I'm rushing, so I'm just condensing the story, juicing it down. Absalom and all his host arrives in Jerusalem, and they have a, and David moved out of the city. And they have a counsel what to do, how to proceed. And Absalom asked Achitophel to give us advice. Listen carefully to his advice. He says, give me 12,000 men. Tonight I will follow David. I will kill him. And I will bring back the people because the stability of your kingdom depends on whether David is alive or dead. Obvious. As long as David is alive, Absalom's kingdom is not secure. And you know what the scripture said? Everybody liked the advice. Are you with me, brethren? The scripture says, uh, I just read, I'm, I'm rushing for time, so I'm just choosing it down. Everybody said, yes, good, good, good. But what was a prophetic word? What was a prophetic word? You know, when Nathan went before David and told that impressive story about the rich man and the poor man uh, and had many lambs and the rich man took the one single lamb from a poor man and David was so upset, he says, that man has to die. But before he dies, fourfold, he has to restore. But Nathan says, and this is the beauty of the gospel. Please, 
Never forget it. Nathan says, you shall not die. The Lord has removed your guilt or iniquity or sin. So the prophetic word says, no, you will not die. You will pay for all. Four of his children were dying or later on died, but he will not die. Achitophel was determined to kill David. And he was a wise man, probably the wisest in Israel. You remember how the council ended? Cushai, who was a friend of David, uh, spoke up in that council and he says, this time, this time, the advice of Achitophel is not good. Let all Israel gather together and then we go out together against David. This was a time that David needed to escape. If you read the scripture carefully, brethren, if you read the scripture carefully, it says the Achitophel's advice was good for the destruction of David. Are you with me? Achitophel's advice was good for the destruction of David. But the prophetic world, prophetic verse says no. Achitophel says yes. What did he advise? Transgression of the law. So that there would be no reconciliation between the father and the son. A very serious matter, brethren. But I am going to say, you know it, you can serve in the Adventist church because you have talents and born with ability. And you can reach a prominent position. But we are in the shaking time when we'll try us to the uttermost. So was Achitophel tried. You know, his granddaughter was Bathsheba. And the man was tried because he allowed bad feeling override his rational thinking. You didn't hear me. He allowed bad feelings or emotions override his rational thinking. May our Heavenly Father help us. Uh, I am recommending those books. There are just two of each. And one book, and this is the last one. It's super good. There's no other book like this. God at Risk, subtitle, Cost of Freedom in the Great Controversy. Cost of Freedom in the Great Controversy. God at Risk. What risk God took 
to guarantee freedom so that nobody will be forced to worship him. Love cannot be forced. If it is not voluntarily, it's not acceptable. And in the last day, it will be forced. Obedience, religious obedience. Brethren, we have to love him and be able to say with Job, even if he slays me, I will trust him. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Father, help us never to forget that Jesus was treated as we deserve, that we may be treated as he deserves, that he was condemned for our sins in which he had no share, that we may be justified by his righteousness in which we have no share. He suffered the death that was ours, that we may receive the life that was his. By his stripes we are healed. Amen. Amen.